I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome along to the Wise Wednesday podcast in a change to your scheduled programming. We're available for this week's preview show, so it's me, Jimmy Ray, uh, here to fill the gaps, be the, be the substitute, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we're going to have a look back at the game at Reading yesterday and look forward to uh, Saturday's game at Watford, which is definitely going ahead after some question marks earlier in the week. Please say that we'll be, uh, we'll be going ahead on Saturday. So joining me, uh, first of all, we've got Mickey Loff. How are you doing, Mickey? I'm absolutely on top of the world still off last night, to be honest. I'm not surprised. Same, same. Uh, it was pretty good, wasn't it? And uh, we've also got uh, John Lambert, regular Wise Wednesday contributor and my uh, travelling companion. How are you doing, John? I'm all right, mate. I'm fresh back from uh, Spain, so I'm uh, a little bit fresh sunburned. Fresh back from sunny Spain. Oh, you, yeah, not, yeah. Well, not, not as bad as I was the other way. At least you've got a bit of brown. The yeah, the Spanish um, the Spanish heat can't really compete with the North of the Broads, can it? But, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it wasn't too bad, though, because obviously having two young daughters meant I spent most of the time in the shade while the 21 other family members that were on the holiday with me uh, all came back wonderfully, beautifully. That was a big holiday. <laughs> yeah, well, if, um, yeah, as you'll know, marrying into a, a Scouse family or a kind of pseudo-Scouse family in your case... Um, Sheffield Scouse hybrid yeah. is they they hunt in packs. There's lots of them. Um, they're never wrong. And <laughs> 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 um, we've got a mixture of Everton and Liverpool fans, and no Tranmere, believe it or not, despite the fact that they all live on the world. So. That's disappointed. That is very disappointing. So um, first question is, Mickey, what were your thoughts on our three 0 win last night? Just. Absolutely outstanding. Um, I think even before the injuries, I think that um, we controlled the game, um, which was really pleasing. I kind of expected it to a point because Redden, I saw before the game, of average like 35% possession at home. So I was surprised to see us control the game. But we didn't um, create an awful lot until Simmons went down. And I think it was actually like really good tactically from Mowbray of a change that he made because my biggest fear when Sims went off was... Oh, so what we're going to do is what we kind of did at Chef Wed. We're playing Diamond as like kind of like the centre forward and the focal point. And now I thought, oh, we're going to bring on Diaku or we're going to bring on someone of that ilk to try and play yeah. as an auxiliary striker. But we didn't. And we just, I know like a lot of people, particularly the Dars that listen to this, won't like the term false nine, but that's completely what we played with. And um, mm-hmm. it bore fruit because bringing Embleton on, I saw a few people, myself included, maybe um, doubting it. But he assisted the two goals before half time when he'd been on the pitch a matter of minutes. And the performance, as I say, just absolutely can't criticise any of them last night. And I think what last night did show is this team was so good at kind of reacting to adversity. So we said yeah. 
Sheffield and um, even when even though we lost the game, Sheffield United the way he bowled out the ten men for an hour against a team that's absolutely stormed the league so far. And we came back right to the game second half and we were mm-hmm. never got to get a point. Norwich at home, you lose your manager who was very well liked by the fans and the players before he went to Stoke. We turned in a very good performance against Norwich, which we were very unlucky to lose the game. And then we kind of played Rotherham off the park. And then yeah. last night had no strikers. And again, we came roaring back. We won the game 3-0. And the performance, I think, in the second half was really impressive because in the second half, I was a little bit worried that they were going to massively kind of um, like come on towards us. We'd be like pended if they got a goal. And yeah. I was worrying about it being a very long second half with no outlet. But we just continued in exactly the same vein. Proved it wasn't a flash in the pan. And I just think the all-round performance was... Brilliant, so absolute full marks to both the manager and the players last night. Brilliant. I mean, yeah, I, to be honest, you pretty much covered it all. I, I couldn't disagree with the word of that at all. I think the um, the Sims the Sims issue obviously happened at a point in the game, like you say, where we we've had a lot of the ball, but we hadn't really looked that threatening. I think Sims Sims had had a couple of runs. That I, I saw. I thought he actually was doing pretty well, to be fair. When you know, considering that he, he got injured a bit earlier on and kind of played through it for sort of five ten minutes, didn't he? And he he had a couple of runs. He didn't really have much joy. But uh, when he went down, it was very much panic stations, uh, at least among, for me anyway. Was it the same for you, John, when you, when you, when you saw Sims go down? Yeah, the good thing about um, Sims is he made every attempt to stay on the pitch. He gave himself yeah. about three opportunities. He obviously knows that his role is massively important in the team in the absence of Ross Stewart. Um, and what was nice was, is that there didn't seem to be that, panic or blindsidedness that obviously Stuart's injury in the warm-up at Middlesbrough caused, it seemed to me like yeah. um, everybody had an idea, um, like you said, like Mickey said, with the false nine. And actually, you know, the easy option would have been, well, we bring Dallo on because he, he can play up front. But actually, mm-hmm. the smart choice is your two-footed ball player, Elliot Embleton, who time after time, there was not the glamorous option off the bench sometimes or perceived to be because he's not quick as such but he influences games he did it a few times yeah. at the end of last season with um, great balls in the box free kicks um, that goal in the final um, so you know I think that was you know a lot of kudos has to go to Mowbray for that and uh, don't get me wrong and I know Gareth's had a lot of vitriol online with this but this this isn't going to work every week because Watford are going to be ready for it on Saturday or you'd expect a decent team to be ready for it on Saturday. Yeah. So, um, and that, as Mickey said before, you know, they don't have a lot of the ball at home, Reading. I mean, I mean they were about as bad yeah, as it got really it was, last I night. And it, I, I it was wanted... a strange performance from them, wasn't it? It was like they almost actively didn't want the ball. And like you, like you mentioned, Embleton is the perfect player to have when you're going to have a lot of the ball and you need somebody to do something a bit different with it. Uh, it was very strange performance from Reading. I thought I didn't really know what they were trying yeah, to do. Yeah, I mean, time. I want to heap praise on some of them because I thought the lads were fantastic. And they were from the first minute when Sims was on the pitch and everything. I mean, they barely, I mean, I don't think their striker had a touch in our box for the first hour, which tells you something about how yeah. dominant we were on the ball. Um, and I just think that we we seem to be a lot more up for it. And any any signs of unrest in the dressing room post Neil's departure and, you know, all the question marks over the players' thoughts on the director of football at the club is they, there's a really tight-knit bunch of players there that all wanted to play for the club and each other. And, I mean, we'll probably get wax lyrical about this, but, I mean, you look at that third goal and, 
I mean, Gosh. the teamwork. You're telling me that they're not doing those things in training, those deft touches, quick spin-offs, yeah. uh, movement off the yeah, ball. That, you know, there's little, the... Yeah. You don't just do those things by accident where you're playing really well. Those those things you, you work towards. And luckily now we've got, you know, we've got a talented bunch of players that... I mean, you know, Mowbray's, um, Mowbray's trademark has always been to... a to bring on young players, allow them to express themselves. And there's probably a, a real group of players there that if they do express mm-hmm. themselves, will be good. Don't get me wrong, you can't necessarily do it at a lot of places in the championship and it won't always be as um, open as that again. But it was um, it was, it was really good to see. And um, I'd rather heap praise on Sunderland than go down the route of Reading being dreadful because at the end of the Absolutely. day, Reading won every home game beating up till then. So... We've, there's yeah, clearly perfect, a formula that we've, record that. we've broken. We were the first team to get anything from them at all. So, I mean, absolutely, absolutely right. I think um, clearly what we offered was something that they weren't able to deal with, but it was it was down to us in the way we played, which which probably made them look, look as poor as they were. I want to mention uh, Patrick Roberts as well. I think he was the much maligned Patrick Roberts after the performance against Middlesbrough last week. I think there was a lot of... He came in for quite a lot of criticism, I think, a lot of it warranted, maybe some of it a bit unfair. Um, you know, I saw people calling him lazy and no end product and, you know, he doesn't doesn't care. I think uh, his two goals and all-around performance last night was uh, very much him showing that none of those things are true because he was absolutely fantastic the entire time he was on the pitch. Tony Mowbray spoke in midweek, didn't he, about how when he came to the club, he, um, he basically asked Roberts why he wasn't starting games, um, given he knows how good he is. I think... Roberts is definitely the type of player who, who's, who's clearly responding to that type of management. So I think that's a, a tick in Mowbray's box for the, the man management of him there. And I just think it's nice to see Robert. He was clearly enjoying himself with what he was doing, his, his, his celebration and, and everything about it. I just thought he was great. And um, I just wanted to sort of recognise that, you know, it's it's very easy to write a player off after a bad performance. And I think Roberts hasn't had much game time really this season at all. And I think he's he's finally starting to show the quality he's got, because he is a good player for this level. So it, it was very nice to see. Um, and then obviously, like you, like you mentioned, Bruford, I'm moving on to, to, to Jack Clark's goal. I mean, Mickey, have you seen many better than that for Sunderland? No, definitely not. I'm, I'm absolutely kind of gutted that I didn't like, get to see it in person because it looked absolutely... Apparently it looked even better in the flesh than it did on TV, which I can well imagine. <laughs> No, it, honestly, though, well, like, I've even seen kind of um, like just like John Terry like tweeting out about how good the mm. goal was. You know what I mean? And like people who like, let's be realistic, aren't going to really be interested in Reading versus Sunderland on a Wednesday night, but the goal has kind of gone viral to such an extent that um, loads of people's commenting on it. But like I think um, Lambo touched on before, I think what's so good about that move is that is quite clearly rehearsed and kind of planned. Mm-hmm. So what's good is the fact that we've obviously kind of prepared for this eventuality of not having a recognised striker on the pitch because... Mm-hmm. And having all the players like moving off each other, there wasn't a particular focal point as such, but it was very interchangeable. And then that little um, kind of like triangle we did on the halfway line before like Dan Neil was released for that ball, it was just an absolute joy to watch. It's one of them, like whether you support Sunderland or not, I think you watch that. And you know when you're watching football and you can't help but just make like a kind of like just a noise. It's not anything, but you just kind of go, <laughs> Oh my, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was any anyone watching that game, no matter who they supported, will have been will have been very close to, if not up off their feet, I think when that went in because it was it was it was a pure you know a football like you say a football fan's goal. It was a brilliant move, um, well well rehearsed and and just executed to perfection. Uh, I think it was. it was. But what shows you how good brilliant. that goal was 
people aren't really touching on Robertson's goals, and they were two excellent goals in their own right. I mean, yeah, them two goals ordinarily. If you score one of them in a game, that's your guaranteed goal of the month. But the board, but yeah. you know what I mean, they won't really be in the. the Absolutely, he was. Um, you know, he, he lived up to the mini Messi name last night, didn't he? Where he cutting in off the left the way he did for both. So he cutting cutting in off the right on his left for both the goals. It was brilliant. Uh-huh. But what I really liked though was um, it wasn't just, and this is what we talk a lot about with top teams, it's not just the ability you've got, it's the graft that they do. So you look mm-hmm. at the two goals, um, Elliot Embleton, who ends up getting the assist for the first goal, he wins the ball back on the edge of the area. He plays a little passing, the ball kind of breaks a little bit loose. Pritchard wins a tackle with a really strong kind of tackle with a lot of conviction. The ball gets itself out of Embleton, who plays and Robert who cuts inside and scores. And then the same with the second goal is a really good bit of work when we got on the ball and then pinged out the Roberts again, same result. But the fact that Roberts he was getting in that area again, it just shows kind of um, absolutely bringing him confidence. So it shows not only kind of like good work on the training ground in terms of tactics, it's like we've said before, it shows you how cohesive that whole unit is and how hard they are prepared to work for each other. And as I say, what I think was really, really impressive was we didn't even just see the game out of 3-0. We really could have made it 4-5 and five with the intention. Yeah. With. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, when Julius and Bennett came on, he 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 looked lively. He was he was he was looking to take take defenders on at every opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you know, he he was certainly worrying them with his pace. Although Diallo had a decent impact as well. So, like you say, it was nice to see some of the the new lads coming on as well and maybe showing a bit. Um, yeah. One thing, another thing I wanted to mention, John, was uh, how uh, solid we were at the back. I think uh, obviously AJ Alessi coming in for his for his first championship start, um, given. That he looked a bit shaky at times um, when he has played so far. I thought he was he was um, the whole back line was fantastic, but I think particular kudos to him, given that it was his debut. Yeah, I always think it's difficult when a player joins a club and they get ten minutes here, fifteen minutes there to really make an impact and show what they're capable of, particularly in a defensive position. Um, and um, I thought he, he thrived off getting that start. I think um, he just brilliant drag back early on in the game, which um, looked like something you'd expect off a kind of seasoned um, attacking player in in that division. But you can tell he's. I mean, we've seen from his from his goals in the Premier League two uh, for West Ham, he's clearly um, very good with the ball at his feet. He's very yeah. very capable in that respect. Um, yeah, Redden didn't cause much issues, but I don't think the team allowed them to. There was a lot of passing across the back. They were, they were very comfortable on the ball early early mm-hmm. doors. I think we had over 500 passes last night. Um, and it just shows to show how comfortable they are at moving the, moving the ball around. And I, I think Danny Bart leads a lot of that as well, which is really good. Um, yeah. Just wanted to just go back slightly on a point on Patrick Roberts. And one thing where, you know, up until last night, he probably hasn't shown the best side of him so far this season. But... One thing I would say about Roberts was uh, at the end of last season, he, w- he really was the man for us. He was really mm-hmm. putting in performances, getting some really important goals. He got the goal at Hillsborough, which was massive. And remember, he started the playoff final, not Jack Clark. He was that. Mm-hmm. He was he was the preferred choice. And then you start this season and he's getting 10, 20 minutes at the end and in either a wing back or a striker role, which neither are his natural position. So I think he's done... I think last night was his time to shine and I think he really showed what he can do do at this level. I mean, that second goal was very much like sort of goal he had scored for Celtic where he just mm-hmm. opens up the goal and passes it into the bottom corner and he, he was really assured. But yeah, in terms of um, Elise Saletti, however you pronounce it, I think he's um, he's definitely shown us that, you know, he, we don't have to panic if that... if 
if Sirkin is injured, we lose a lot with not having Sirkin there because he is he's so um, he's so athletic, he's so well first with Bart and 09 or Wright or Ballard at the back. He knows he knows his role and he's really becoming comfortable as that third centre back. He's not afraid to get forward um, and hustle with the big strikers in that division. Yeah. Um, but also let's not panic if Elise comes in. He's big, strong, he's athletic, he's comfortable on the ball. And if he gets that game time, we may just start to see the best of him. Um, yeah, well, he, I mean, he, what we really want to confidence. see. Yeah, brimming yeah. with confidence at the end. And you could see he was really, he really enjoyed it. You could see he, he just looked absolutely buzzing at the end of the game because he knew obviously he played well and it was his debut. And yeah, I just, I think like, you mentioned Sirkin, you know, who for me has been one of our best players so far this season. But Alexi actually yeah. played the role quite similarly to how Sirkin did in terms of how Sirkin does in terms of, you know, he was still he's sort of the more athletic driving forward of the three centre-backs and he was really able to, to you know, there's a couple of times he brought the ball out like Sirkin does and he'd play decent passes and he did, clearly that that's the, you know, because he, he's another sort of left-back, left-centre-back left hybrid type player, but like Sirkin, who, who is going to suit the, the left-centre-back role well. And it's nice to have a, a natural lefty playing it like him as well. So, yeah, I thought, you know, there was a lot to like about uh, our performance across the pitch, really. What also helps um, is... And just uh, moving on from that... Um, oh, sorry. But, yeah, I was just going to say that what also helps is um, I think Jack Clark's evolved this year in his role as a wing-back. And last year, he very much was uh, a going-forward type player. This year, he is he is putting in those yards. He's, he is getting the ball from deeper. He is grafting back. He is covering a, a lot of ground. And I think that can relieve a lot of pressure on that um, yeah. kind of inside fullback or third centre centre back um, which just goes to show that, that there is a plan there and the, the players understand what they need to do it's just that's the key thing, just don't it? have any fit strikers but that's another story well that's that's the key I think it's I think it's 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 very clear that the team are, are very well coached and well and are receptive to to a number of different plans and scenarios and and that speaks, like you mentioned before, I think both of you mentioned actually that the mentality in the squad is clearly very strong. I think for, for young players, um, they are it seems with quite a good level of maturity there. Um, but the elephant in the room, Lambeau's just mentioned mentioned it there, Mickey, is obviously moving forwards. We don't obviously know how long Sims is going to be out at this stage. It does bring into into the spotlight the fact that we haven't got a striker. Yeah, not much more than two weeks after the window shut. Yeah, I do totally agree. And I think this is where actually I think having the away game on Saturday might benefit us. I know we're going to talk about the Watford game more later, but I think that if you've got a home game coming next and you've got no natural focal point, it's a lot harder to kind of play on the break um, because the opposition might be quite happy to sit in. So therefore, we don't have the space in behind and the big gaps all over the pitch to play in. Um, so I think that actually having the break coming up will actually benefit us quite a lot and hopefully on Saturday yeah. the, um, the kind of not having that focal point will be minimised. I still do, however, think it's poor planning and no matter how well we played last night, we can't sit here and pretend that this was like a plan. But oh, well, it's all right, we've only got two strikers and if they both get injured, it's fine because we can just play a false nine anyway. I can't believe that that's an actual conversation that's been had behind closed doors. If it is, fair mm-hmm. enough. But I just don't think it is a one that's happened, and I still don't think it's um, ideal preparation to leave yourself that short in such a in such a key area. Because, like Lambo pointed out, it's absolutely brilliant when it works. But suddenly, let's say that this Sims injury is a little bit 
more long term. All it takes is a couple of bad results and the doubts start to creep in again and you can look very exposed because although Redden were poor last night, this league is such a big step up in quality compared to what we used to. And the league is so compact, I think from like third or fourth off bottom to where we are in sixth, you talk like a handful of points separating them. So at the minute we're sixth in the league, we're doing great. Um, I've got quite a bit of belief in the manager. I've got a lot of belief in the players. But what I don't, but what I, I am a little bit disappointed with is the fact that we're maybe giving ourselves um, like too much and um, like difficulty unnecessarily. It's a little bit like playing FIFA yeah. like, more for no reason. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, yeah. We're kind of we've made um, problems for ourselves, and it's great that at the moment we're finding solutions. But whether we can sustain it long term or not is another matter. And I think for and to be fair, like we, we've got to be balanced about this. Like we've talked about Clark and Roberts before. The fact that, like, under Speakman kind of being in charge of this whole financial model, we were able to attract the likes of Clark and Roberts in January when they are clearly better than League One players. That speaks volumes a bit like Dennis Serkin, who, who was brought in under his direction. They've been like absolute roaring successes, but it doesn't change the fact that in January we had Zamadji as our fourth choice centre half who had to play when he really shouldn't have done given his kind of um, like record for club and he, like, the amount of time he had out, etc. We left and we let Tom Flanagan go on deadline day, which was kind of poor. Yeah. Got away with it, and again, like Patrick um, Roberts, he didn't really come into his own in terms of fitness until the back end of the season. Same with Jack Clark, who didn't have the minutes under the belt, which is fair enough because that's the reason we got them because they hadn't had regular first team football. Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget that Broadhead as well. He was injured at the end of that window, so we were literally again relying on Ross Stewart. And the, at the time, our only backup striker was Benji Kimpioka. So it, it's kind of our thing: two transfer windows in a row. We're kind of, it's all right if everyone stays fit and everything goes according to plan, but I don't think we give ourselves a lot of margin for error with it. And as I said, yeah, I'm that's a really good point. It really, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, you're right. It, it's one of them where realistically, it's like we, we, we're almost gambling too much when we don't need to because it's, for, and I mentioned this last week with Stuart, and I think, and I think the same goes for Sims. It's like realistically, Stuart played every minute pretty much of, of the whole of last season, and it was, Remiss of, of those in charge to assume you do the same again. Uh, Sims's injury record playing for Hearts last season and Blackpool the season before, he, he, he did pick up injuries, you know, so it, it's not like he was going to be able to do that. So to not have another option, uh, John, I think is, is something that, that we do have to recognise is, is poor planning. Um, moving forwards, obviously, there's been talk of, 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 of getting maybe a free agent striker in. Would that be something you'd look to do, do you think? I would, um, but what are we on now? We're on the uh, 15th of September, so the window's been shut over a fortnight. Um, we knew we were already short before those injuries, so you know we could have signed a player around mm-hmm. deadline that they could be two weeks into getting themselves up to match fitness, um, full training, high intensity, a couple of behind-closed-doors games, 23s, and they could be good to go in about a week's time, which would have been great. Now, I mean, obviously the best strike that was available on the free agent market, Diego Costa, has gone to Wolves. I don't think for a <laughs> minute we would have been able to afford his wage demands. But at the same time, you know, Wolves only on league status are a bigger club than us at the moment. And if the club wanted to be ambitious and break their glorious model um, that they're going to stick by, then, you know, um, they are going to have to start thinking about what else is out there. And it's not a case of, um, um, you know, being stubborn to the regime. You know, the, you know, you can be 
reactive as well as proactive. And yeah. at the moment, it's a case of, you know, we, we had it with the defenders last uh, January where he still said we went into the window with four defenders. We've come out of it with four defenders. It's like, well, yeah, but you're counting a man who hasn't kicked a ball for 15 months because he's injured. And Jamadli, you know, that, that isn't... Yeah. That isn't the right sell at all. Um, so yeah, we we are short, and like I say, I think Ross Stewart's season uh, last season has, paid, has kind of it's potentially fooled the director of football into thinking that strikers can play forty six games plus three playoff games plus a scattering of cup games, barely get subbed off, run thirteen kilometers a game. And still be standing. That's another point. And, he did, he and did then, work than anybody else as well. <laughs> and get call ups for Scotland and travel places and train with them and play all our preseason, play all seven or eight games or whatever he's played so far. And at no stage he's ever going to break down. It's, it's, it's naivety at the highest level. And I know we get a lot of criticism online as 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 a as a fanzine as a pod about our worries with it. And we're not saying that, careful, I'm not speaking on behalf of the whole of Wiseman Sayer, but I don't think what we're saying is that Speakman isn't the right man for the job or he's doing a bad job. What we're saying is, is that we've been left critically short in key areas. We're fortunate that this Elise played very well last night and he's shown that actually there is trust in a player like that to cover circuit, Mm -hmm. which is good. And when... Uh, Bailey Wright, I think he was away for birth of his child, but if Bailey Wright was there, 09, we've, he's already played that left side of centre-back before in League One, what he's demonstrated on uh, on the right-hand side of those three, that he's more than adaptable and capable at this level, and I think he's earned that right to play anywhere across that back five now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the player they've signed to back up Sirkin has shown that he probably is good enough, we hope. Um, so that's fine, but you know, to not have strikers, um, any sort of backup, and all uh, that talk about why we, why Broadhead didn't um, wasn't ambitious enough to sign, and no player's going to come because they know they're going to be on the bench. Well, I'm sorry, you don't, <laughs> you don't have a conversation with a striker again. Oh, by the way, these are these are our nine. This is our ten, and these two will play. Yeah. And you know, you know, just keep you know put yourself about when you come on and do your thing and you never know, you might get a chance. You sign a player and say, you, you're there to take him out of the team. You're there. At the end of the day, that's, that's what yeah, signings are absolutely. for. It's pointless to sign someone if they do not improve your side or are capable cover at the same level for a player because there's no point in signing them. It's like selling a player for 10 million. If you do not buy the same player the same quality with that money, then you're just wasting that money. It so exactly. The, we, I think, I personally think in the free agent market that ship sailed. Now, I think we've wasted too much time. I think we're going to be at the back end of the international break before any player that comes in now would be worthwhile for us. He's going to be. Fit. Could could we recall Jack Diamond? Yes, but he's not really a striker. He's another winger. Um, and I personally think the players we've got could do a better job through the middle. And that's not a slight on Diamond because you're asking him to do something that's not his role. And that was, you know, that was highlighted in the, mm-hmm. the cup game Mickey mentioned earlier this season at Sheffield Wednesday. You know, that you can't it's square pegs and round holes. It doesn't work. So I think at the moment, 
you know, unless they go with Diallo through the middle um, or continue with the false nine, which will be in danger potentially in the up and coming weeks with the teams who are playing, that it may become a little bit predictable or not necessarily predictable, but teams can have a plan for it. Um, mm-hmm. So we've just got to be very, it's a big, Tony Mowbray has got a big job on his hands now and he's had a real yes. tough start because he, he had a wonderful win against Rotherham and then all of a sudden you, your gun player, your key striker goes in the warm up before what was a massive game for him and his Middlesbrough connections and then barely 20 minutes into a game you lose your other striker so he's not mm-hmm. had it easy in terms of in-game management or on-the-spot management so um, it would be fascinating to see how he goes against Watford on um, on Saturday Yeah, agree I think um, I actually wanted to just briefly touch before we go to the break and uh, discuss what I just wanted to briefly touch on on Tony Mowbray and sort of get your thoughts I think I've got Got a fair idea of what have your thoughts on Mowbray so far, John. In terms of you, Mickey, what, what would you say uh, you like about Mowbray so far? What are similarities, differences to the previous manager? I don't know, where do you see it going from here? I think, actually, I've been surprised at how like similar Mowbray is. I mean, one thing I do remember about Mowbray very early on in his managerial career, he was fairly rigid, so I know at West Brom he played this very attacking brand of football, a lot of possession, which maybe went against the grain of how football was during that time. And it got them promoted ultimately from the championship. But I remember one of the criticisms of Mowbray at that time period. Of course, we're talking 13 years ago when he was still a relatively young and experienced manager. But he didn't adapt when he got to the Premier League and they got beat routinely. I mean, I remember um, Ricky Sabria just suddenly mm-hmm. turned 4-0 at the stage of my life and they were absolutely like abysmal and they left themselves wide open. So when he came in, obviously, I can only base him off what I know about through his career. So I was a little bit worried that is he a little bit too rigid? Will he lack flexibility? But I was reassured by what I heard like Blackburn fans on podcasts say about him that he has kind of grown to be a manager who can be tactically flexible. And I think we've seen that so far. So the Rotherham game, when he came in, he changed absolutely nothing, which was 100% the right call because of how well the squad were playing. We played with the same kind of attacking intent, like a lot of possession, like high tempo. Um, the Middlesbrough games, the only kind of block in his copybook because I was a little bit worried after that game that, oh, well, that um, that kind of curveball with Stuart being injured, that's kind of completely thrown our game plan and we were very meek and very timid against the Middlesbrough side who weren't that great and who were clearly lacking in confidence still a little bit. But what was really impressive, and I mentioned it earlier on in the pod, is last night we had a massive in-game problem and it looks as though after that Borough game, Mowbray's thought, right, we've got caught short against Borough, that's not going to happen again. We've obviously drilled them on the, tra- in, on the training ground, as I said, of what we do in and out of possession if we have to play with no strikers. Um, and it looked as though, like Lambo said, we were prepared for that eventuality. So I think his attention to detail and his preparation is absolutely spot on. And I think um, the way we played last night was brilliant as well because what I was worried about as well is can Mowbray kind of play a bit more on the counter and like quick transitions because he's very mm-hmm. much a manager in his kind of previous managerial jobs. He favours a very high possession approach. But what he did last night, um, it was weird. We kind of simultaneously played on the counter-attack while completely bossing and controlling the game. I know mm-hmm. that's like, them two things don't go, but that's the reality of what happened. And I just think that was really good to see. So I think Mowbray's he's proven a lot of people wrong in terms of his tactical flexibility. And I think what he has shown that he's not this kind of football dinosaur just because he's a bit kind of like dour and a bit like an endearing kind of like uncle doesn't mean that football's passed him by. <laughs> he still seems very engaged and he keeps up to date with like the modern trends. But what I do want to touch on as well is that 
I think his man management might be better for what we give him credit for. Because as I say, like his press conferences like aren't for everybody in terms of like how much he kind of goes into different details, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But what I do like is when he talked about um like you mentioned before, really bigging up Patrick Roberts and in the pre-match press of really bigging up with mm-hmm. like look who's gonna step up now, who's gonna get our goals. And last night he said about Elliot Embleton, I almost feel a bit like kind of bad on the kid that I'm not playing him. But he kind of explained the reasons to him why he wasn't playing and you will get mm-hmm. your chance to stick around because because we can't play like some lads kind of like twice in the space of four or five days. So keep going, you will get your opportunity. And I think that's so so key that he gets that message across. It's quite um like it's it's old school management, but it's old school the good way in being really honest and transparent with your players, because I think that's how you get the best out of them. So so far, I think I know yeah. it's only three games in, so it's unfair to judge him too much one way or the other. But so far I would say I'm pleasantly surprised by him overall. Yeah, totally agree. I think um, he's he's definitely had a tough start, but he's he's he seems to me to 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 be um the right kind of experience like you touched on. I think he's um he's more than just a safe pair of hands. I think he's he's a manager who I mean if you just look at sort of the comments on on, on us appointing him from fans of other clubs in the league, I think again similar to, to Neely, a lot of clubs w- w- were saying that oh he's a manager we we'd have quite liked it at our club. I think he's definitely another manager who is highly rated in in the in the championship and I think has done a good job. Um, with Blackburn, obviously, in his previous clubs, but it appears to be doing it, you know, his early days. But, he, you know, I think he, he's got a lot of strings to his bow. Um, I like, I like, like I, I like his style of man management, you know, what we've heard so far. I think um, there's a reason why it's classed as old school. It's because it works. There's a reason why managers do it. It's because you, you need to be able to respond to players in different ways. Um, I know a lot of sort of the modern trend of managers is to not really go into details with players in press conferences and sort of talk about the group and the collective. But I think there is definitely a space for individual players to be praised uh, or or not praised. You know, I'm sure you wouldn't be averse to calling somebody out if you felt needed to either. But um, I, I just quite like it. I think it's been a tough start and it's it's going to be tough again at the weekend. Uh, and we're going to take a little, little break right now. Uh, and when we come back, we'll be discussing the game against Watford on Saturday. <laughs> If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Wiseman Say podcast. Um, we've uh, talked about yesterday's game. Um, against Reading and various other things. And now we're going to move on to the prospect of Watford on Saturday. Now, Watford, obviously, um, as as you'll all know, or should know, were playing in the Premier League last season. We were playing in League One. So two divisions apart, we were last season. We're now in the same division and uh, actually doing pretty similarly. You might argue we were possibly even a bit, a little bit, had a better start than Watford, to be honest. Um, now, I know, Mickey, you've had a bit of a look at Watford, haven't you, so far? Um, so you've got some points and some stuff to talk about. So do you want to take the floor? Yeah, I mean, I've just drawn on a fair bit before the break, so apologies in advance to all the listeners. But yeah, I've had a quick look at them. And um, like 10th in the league, which obviously overt isn't a great start anyway. But what I've looked as well, like Watford are a club that's had a bit of a like cultural change over, over the summer because obviously, as all the listeners will be aware of Watford, Traditionally, they've just had a very much like kind of brutal hire and fire policy. There's been very little long termism, and people argue for years that was fine because they stayed in the Premier League, but then they got relegated and they've never really settled. So, in the summer, they had a massive um, sea change. So, they thought to themselves, right, what we don't want to do is just make an appointment now to get us promoted, then sack them when we have a slow start, and then bring in like a Ranieri or a manager of all Roy Hodgson or a manager of that ilk to try and, and turn it around. So in the summer, there were three candidates that seriously explored, one of them being Rob Edwards, who got the job ultimately, the other one being Liam Manning, and the other one being um, Jim's best friend, Russell Martin. Oh, <laughs> Russell Martin. So very... But the, the reason them three were under consideration is because they, had a, they wanted a, a young English manager, which is um, like fair enough, but what they mainly wanted is to have a manager who could adapt from going get relegated the championship and favouring like a very attacking high possession style of football and then can implement that in the Premier League once they get there ultimately and they want to be a bit more of a long-term um, progression which is why they brought in um, Rob Edwards in the summer but you could argue that um, there's teething problems with that so hopefully we can capitalise on that when they're still in the kind of very early foundation stages of that I, thought, I hate using this term but more long-term project because they've only scored nine goals in nine games and they've um, conceded nine goals as well. So that to me doesn't scream kind of like all like the, the attacking style of footballs bearing fruit, particularly in the way at Blackburn. You've a nice um, the supporters um, when the players and the manager went over were kind of like shouting a bit of abuse at them. And that doesn't sound ideal to me when you saw like brand new, no. <laughs> new kind of ideology way of doing things. Yeah, yeah 529 of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. I saw uh, I saw uh, Edwards do the uh, you know the classic manager apology to the crowd thing with the old uh, kind of pushing down some air with his hands as if he's sort of miming and mouthing sorry at them, which is a bit Lee Johnson behaviour for me. That so um, I quite quite think that uh, they won't be particularly impressed with that either, especially like you say, Vicky, with a guy who let's be honest, if it's a long term project, it's it's not started particularly well. Having said that, though, John, uh, Watford are still one of the favourites to win promotion this season. So it's not going to be easy on Saturday, is it? No, I think it's one of those where any side coming down um, from the Premier League, who've, they've essentially got £100 million worth of assets in their squad. They're always going to be good. And they started the season quite well, but the cracks have started to appear now. 
Um, obviously, they've sold a few key players, notably Emmanuel Dennis to Forrest, who's going to be a big loss for them because uh, he did start the season, didn't he, with Watford before? He did. Forrest he scored on the, on the opening game, I think. Yeah, yeah before um, Forrest went and signed 50 odd players. Oh, one of you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they are going to be good. Uh, a close friend of mine is a Watford fan, and I think um, what they've worried about is it has been a bit of a basket case club on a, a kind of more of a chip shop level to Chelsea, where Chelsea are kind of, you know, always seem to be seeking the next best thing and yeah. nothing's ever good enough for them. Whereas with Watford, it's kind of shit, it's September, we're not top, Let's or we're not safe in the Premier League, let's just sack someone and that's the answer. Like a and European like a European approach, yeah. like, not a good European, you know, like the, you're kind of like the poor European teams, like in Italy they'll go yeah. through two or three managers a season, it's that type of approach, isn't it really? It's a bit, bit short-term yeah. for me. Yeah, and in terms of like Saturday, I think they'll, I mean, I read an article in The Athletic earlier, I'm sure Mickey probably did as well, but I mean, some of the language that Edwards was using it's very defeatist already it's like um, there's no other way we've either got to go under or dig in and find a way to turn it around you know find a way you know you're talking we're inside the first 10 games of the season and they're trying to find a way to get out of it they need to snap out of it very quickly we've only got a few days to turn it around so for me um, and we know that there it's been it's it's been noted that there was a few strong characters in the dressing room the other night following the Blackburn defeat and we saw the video footage of the goalkeeper trying to reason with that small cluster of vocal fans at Ewood Park and you you do really wonder whether there's they haven't necessarily got the harmony that uh, clearly we've got at the moment in our dressing room um, yeah, which... we've, we've, we've lived that uh, we've had that experience that they're currently having now haven't we with the disconnect Last oh, time mul- the multiple times yeah. I mean you know, any, <laughs> so, uh, any, any nice of Netflix us, can, it? Uh, it is <laughs> yeah. and and that's testament to Mowbray though because when um, obviously what we've discussed before the break but I mean I'm reading this book at the moment and it's, it's really quite interesting to, um, you look at him he's very there's a lot of humility in him and he is very old fashioned. So that's why he comes across as someone that seems so much older and the references he makes to the Northeast, you know, are quite historical. And, you know, obviously he was raised in Saltburn, Red Car, that area yeah. in Hillsborough, which well, I, I must probably say, is yeah, like I, going back in a time machine. But I, um, I thought he was older than he is. He, you know, he's only the same, oh, yeah, age yeah. As Jose, he's the same age as Jose Mourinho. You would definitely yeah, say Mourinho was that. younger than Mowbray, wouldn't you? Just if you were yeah, thinking. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but one thing Mowbray did when he came in, he was acutely aware of what a good job Alex Neil had done. And Alex Neil had not left on anything necessarily to do with what he was achieving on the playing front. Um, so he knew he didn't have to come in and swing his dick around and sit my way or the highway or say, this is what we're going to do now. I'm going to do a few things I like to do. He yeah. said, this is a team that really enjoy playing for each other. It was noted that the whole squad understood the wider vision in terms of I'm not starting, but I could have a role today and I'm going to get behind the players. And I think I started, I mean, you're starting to see in some of the, as cheesy as they are, some of the socials the team's doing now on TikTok and whatever else on Instagram. It does seem like there is a tight knit bunch there. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't get those and, videos. Those TikToks don't happen if it's not a close knit squad because yeah, nobody's exactly. going to do them with it. <laughs> exactly, you saw the little reference of Patrick Roberts' celebration last night with the putting because obviously 
quoted as the highest handicap golfer in, in the squad. Um, so it was <laughs> an immediate opportunity to uh, push that banter out there. But no, I mean, for me, you can look at, I mean, player for player, they, are, they have got probably a bit more quality in their team. They, they, there is a few players there, but if you're honest, that, that Watford side, you can say they've come from the Premier League, but they, they haven't really had a decent fist of the Premier League since probably 2018-19. So they've yo-yoed, and I mean, last season was dreadful. I mean, it was you know, it was well, that's the shades, other thing shades of our fifteen and nineteen point yeah. season, isn't it? And um, yeah. I think Saturday will be. I think it could be a real meeting of the minds on Saturday, and I think it could be it could be more of a Mowbray versus Edwards as to who 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 gets it right on the day. But I certainly know I'd rather be us at the moment. And yeah. you know, we are we're the away team again. We've got. Most of our points on the road this year. Um, but We're the second tough. second best team in the division in terms of points yeah. gained on the road. Weirdly, only Wigan have more, have more than us in terms of away points got so far. So, you no, know, I agree with you. I think um, it's going to be almost like not not to. I'd say it's maybe a, a team that is more than the sum of its parts in us at the minute, given the injuries we've got, versus a team who are probably a lot less than the sum of their parts. If you look at you know on paper. Now, um, there's a couple of uh, you mentioned obviously that um, the one of the I forgot his name. What was, what was the guy's name who went to Forest? Um, Manuel Dennis. Manuel Dennis. Yeah, the, still, the other two was Saar and Jao Pedro. They were the other two forwards. Now they're both still there, but neither have particularly set the division on fire so far. So um, obviously they'll be looking for goals. I mean, just looking through their team, it is kind of a bit of a, a mismatch. Sal's going to be missing Saturday, it looks like. Oh, is he going to be missing? There you go. It's, it's a good chance he's going to be missing, isn't there? Right. So, but they've got their so jowl, got, so he's quite cool. Yeah, they've got, and they've got the, Pedro. I mean, and the, you know, at the back of Cabaselli, Sierra Alta played for them in the Premier League season. Craig Cathcart's obviously well known. Uh, Hamza Chowdhury from Leicester. So they've got some kind of, no, it's like household names, but players that you've heard of, but... I don't. If I'm, I know, I know I'm obviously known for my wild positivity, uh, possibly too much at times. But there's not a lot there that particularly worries me. I don't mind saying that. I mean, what I say doesn't have any bearing on what happens in the match anyway. So it doesn't really. I don't really. I'm not going to jinx it by saying this. But I think. I think you're right, John. I think it's going to be Mowbray versus versus Edwards. I think is going to be there. You know who 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 wins the tactical battle? Who gets the team up for it? If we can capitalise on the ill feeling that they've got in the dressing room, Mickey, what, what, what are your thoughts in terms of how it's going to go? Yeah, I do agree. I, I do think that on paper, they want to clearly have a, a better squad than us and a better team than us. That's only natural, given, as you say, of the kind of resources they've got comparatively to ourselves. But we'd expect that. We've just been promoted, they've just been relegated. Um, but it's interesting that Lambo there touched on the battle of the, the managers. Like, I know people will turn around and throw back at me, but Mowbray had a poor end of the season with Blackburn, which is fair enough. But I was looking at Rob Edwards and like we don't have a great kind of body of work to go off because when he was um, he, he was at um, Telford, I believe, was his only other managerial job before Forest Green. He was sacked there when they were 14th in the league in the Conference North. He then went to Forest Green oh, where they've got very good resources and they've got like very good foundations that were left by the previous manager, Mark Cooper, who just couldn't quite get over the line. They got in the playoffs a couple of times. And then he went in there, but had a blistering start of last season. Like, we only lost two games kind of by the start of February, and they were absolutely dominating the league. And there were 10 points clear, but then they only won four of the last 16 games. Oh, really? Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's interesting. They won four of the last 16 games of his tenure, 
um, and they surrendered that 10-point lead, so they only ultimately went up on goal, sorry, they only won the league on goal difference and only had a four-point buffer between them and them fourth place. Mm-hmm. Further fourth place, which kind of which shows you kind of how just how much they dropped off. So you're thinking to yourself, it's interesting you made a bit of the LJ comparison um, earlier because yeah. because when you think about it, he's basically had like a, a, like a streak in that season. He's just had a great streak, we've got on top of the league, and then a terrible streak and have crept over the line. So I'm kind of wondering, is he starting to doubt himself a little bit and thinking, God, like this is the biggest job that I've kind of had in football so far. If I mess this up, this is probably going to be the biggest job I'll ever have in football. So I'm kind of worried whether he's already kind of doubting his principles slightly, whereas Mowgli, I think, although he's adaptable, I think he's fairly consistent, has a belief in his principles and what he wants to try and do. So I and he's got a body of work of hundreds of games yeah, at this right. level, which is which I think is a massive advantage. And we've got an, an inexperienced squad in terms of championship appearances, but there's not many managers. In fact, I, I don't know if there are any managers who manage as many games in the championship as Mowgli has. I certainly can't think there'll be no, many that we're currently up against. Well, is it's a little because. He's going in there as a very inexperienced manager. Like he's 39 years of age. As I say, he's only really had one full season managing, like in league football, never mind anything else. And he's suddenly going to the dressing room, like you pointed out, with very experienced players who've played in the Premier League before. Now, I'm not saying automatically they're going to be bad eggs, but you're kind of sitting there thinking, yeah, there's this guy, he's come from Forest Green, and we've had a bit of a slow start, and he's trying to get all of these principles, and he wants to change everything about how we play. And Sometimes you get a little bit of friction there. So I think we've definitely got to take advantage of that. And Watford, like I was listening to um, the preview, sorry, the preview pod, but the Raw did before come on hate tonight. And the journalist, sorry, I can't remember his name, who was speaking on like Watford's behalf, he was saying that they've not actually took the lead in the game since the third game of the season. So they've often been behind. So if we can go there and we can take the lead, particularly um, with the kind of like options that we've got on the break, and if we can replicate the performance that we turned in last night and we could definitely cause them problems I'm not saying we'll necessarily win the game but I do think that it's maybe it's a much more even contest than what we'd be talking about a few days ago so I just hope we can mm-hmm. go there hopefully get a positive result because then you go into the international break like fully behind everything we're doing and we can kind of keep that new unity and almost siege mentality which I think has developed with the fans and the and the players um, mm-hmm. I think it's been great to see I really do and hopefully we'll continue it I agree. I think. I think. I think. I, I speak for the theorists where we definitely you'd take a point, wouldn't you? But yeah, yeah. like, I, I agree with what you're saying there, Mickey. There's, there's no reason why, given what if you look if you put Watford in context as opposed to just look at Watford on paper, and that we can't, you know, be reasonably confident of of, of doing something. John, would you would you agree with that? Would you take a point? How do you see it going? Yeah. Well, where we are in the league now, um, a point's not damaging. Because what we know about the championship, everyone is capable of beating everyone. Mm-hmm. And there's only a couple of teams that have got Huddersfield and Coventry at the bottom. I mean, Coventry is slightly in inverted commas because we're an asterisk next to it because they've played so little home games and they haven't had any consistency in game time. But other than that, I mean, and Sheffield United potentially probably being the standout side so far, it's fairly fair game, that division. Mm-hmm. So if you get a point... We aren't going to move more than a couple of places. Whereas once League One started to develop, you generally had a pack of six, and particularly after Christmas, they just keep winning, or that they'd have, they'd keep accumulate. If it was you didn't win, yeah, you, you didn't win. win they did. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I think at the moment, because we've earned the right to be where we are, you know, there is such a thing as a good point. 
on the road. Uh, respect the point, as Lee Johnson would say. But, I mean, <laughs> the worst phrase that's the, ever. That's, 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 that's <laughs> but, the pod title sorted there. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I think it would be good. Um, I've been saying this all season, and it's a proper cliche, but it is a classic first goal is crucial, as like Mickey was saying, and or yourself in terms of the um, they haven't scored first since the third game of the season or whatever it was, is if, you know, Middlesbrough scored first, we didn't have a shot for the rest of the game. Dominated against Norwich, didn't get that first goal, we're on top. Norwich score and then we lose. And we've had moments, I mean, I was, I was, I was chatting to my father and all that, we were watching the game and it was like, we're well on top it. And I said, well, we've got to score while we're on top because if we don't, that kind of smash and grab fear comes in a little bit and you don't get what you deserve out of the game. Um, but I do think if uh, going back to our kind of galvanised dressing room versus disjointed one, uh, which is also disjointed clearly with the fan group, um, is actually you get you get that first goal and they, you know those boos will be coming out around Vicarage Road and so we, we could only hear our, our fans last night it's not difficult to outsing blue seats, but it was, um, you know, mark my words, I've been to Vicarage Road a couple of times. You generally get a full end at that place and you can really generate some noise. I know we've sold out. We sold out really early. And I think if we get in front, uh, those those players are going to thrive, thrive on that. And I think I feel like we've got the defence that can manage that now a little mm-hmm. bit. There's a bit of familiarity. We never What's had that. Consist- What's my prediction? I think it will be... Uh, it will be one nil, and whoever scores first wins. <laughs> so it will be us. It will yeah. we will win because I think yeah. we, at the moment form is a very important like thing. Um, and at the moment, although we very much win lose win lose at the moment, I do feel like we've 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 shown we've shown the ability to um, to play some very good attacking football and. Um, I'm just not sure about Watford at the moment. They're a bit of an unknown quantity. I mean, they could, they could turn it on for us. I'm not sure their manager's got the nous to pull up mm-hmm. a strong dressing room. I don't know if Forest Green Rovers is necessarily the um, CV you need to deal with a former Premier League team that's yeah. a little bit lost at the moment. And I don't know if he's a strong enough character to do it. A Mowbray could. And Mowbray, like yeah. you said, has got thousands of championship games under his belt, and he he worked with his worked with multiple personalities. I'm not sure they can do that, but like I say, it's it's a funny old division. So if we show up with the same attitude as we had last night, I think we've got every chance of winning the game. Worst case scenario, yeah. we I'd take a draw, take a draw, yeah. move on, move on from there. So what 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 score are you going to predict? Then? Need a goal, need a what? score line, and a score. Oh, one nil to lads, and it will be it'll be someone like Corey Evans, oh, like that, Evans a rebound oh, from like the yeah. penalty spot or something after, like that. After, after, his, after he being the nearly man against Norwich in, in another game as well. What about you, Mickey? Score, scorers, scorers, or oh, scorer? Oh, I'm just picturing it now. Corey Evans, twenty-five yards out, just sits for him perfectly. He tries one of his long ranges. <laughs> Top. That'll be the dream. Jumps in the away end, gets sent off. Gets <laughs> 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 limbs, limbs from Curry. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, That'll be great. 
I, I, I'm going to go, and sorry to bring the mood out ever so slightly, but I'm going to go for a very respectable 1 1 draw. Yeah. I think we'll take the lead early on. Um, I think it will be, trying to think now, I think it'll be Jack Clark will score for us quite early on, but we won't quite yeah. be able to hang on, and Watford will get a late equaliser. Respect the point, Mickey. Respect the point. I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely fine with that as a prediction. I would, I'm not going to lie. I would have preferred it if you'd said we win, but I'll, I'll, I'll respect the point on this occasion. Say, you know, people say they respect the point, which I totally get. But like both Lee Johnson <laughs> and Sam Allardyce said that same phrase. So you've got the real kind of both ends of the spectrum, haven't you? Like, <laughs> From the sublime to the ridiculous, using the same phrase. Uh, I am obviously going to predict that we're going to win. Um, I think we're going to win two-one. I think. We'll get a goal from a defender. I think Danny Bart's been close a couple of times. Uh, he loves, he, you know. I think he, I think he quite enjoys throwing his weight around against some uh, possibly slightly disinter- disinterested ex Premier League defenders. Um, so I think he might might fancy a header from a corner. And I'm with you, Mickey. I think Jack Clark will score again just because he's in absolutely fantastic form at the minute. And even against Middlesbrough last week, when his end product wasn't there, he was still beating his man. He was still making things happen. And uh, didn't, obviously didn't hide, did he? Week. He no, he, 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 he never does. What I like about him is his confidence in his own ability, and I think that's key. <clears throat> Obviously, playing in his position, and um, I think he might score again. So yeah, two, two, one. I think we'll take the lead. They'll equalise, and then we'll score uh, fairly late on. I think Danny Bartles get the winner, and Jack Clark will score the first one. Um, so, has anybody got anything else to want to add before we wrap this up? Because we're, we're uh, I think we've had a good old uh, chin wagger there, haven't we? So. That's it. We'll, uh, Stephen and Gareth will be back on Monday. There will be some content on the website for you all to read, in the in both in the build-up and the aftermath of Saturday's game. Um, but as ever, thank you for listening. on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns